This is Generation Justice. I'm Christina Rodriguez. And I'm Rob Nakai. On April 9th, the Middle Rio Grande chapter of the YWCA hosted the Women on the Move Awards to honor women who work to eliminate racism and to empower other women. We're honored tonight to share speeches from the celebration, including Congresswoman Michelle Lujan Grisham's keynote address. We're also featuring Anne Haynes Yasovich, the recipient of this year's La Estrella Award, and Dr. Anne Simpson, this year's Women to be Reckoned With recipient. We've got a great show tonight, so stay tuned. Let's start off with some music. Here's a song called I'm Every Woman by Whitney Houston. YWCA is the world's oldest and largest multicultural women's organization. Their middle Rio Grande chapter has hosted the Women on the Move celebration for the past 28 years and honored thousands of women during that time. Here's Amy Whitfield, president and CEO of the YWCA New Mexico to kick off the night, as well as the speech by our keynote speaker, Congresswoman Michelle Lujan Grisham. Thank you all so much for being here. I want to welcome everyone to the 2015 Women on the Move Awards. <laughs> this year is our 29th year of the Women on the Move Awards. I'm Amy Whitfield, President and CEO of the YWCA New Mexico. I want to thank you all for being here tonight to help us honor those who are allied with us in our mission of eliminating racism and empowering women. Tonight is a night to highlight the exceptional women in our community the work they do to challenge and change systems of injustice and their significant accomplishments. Women on the Move are champions for the YWCA mission, eliminating racism, empowering women. They demonstrate commitment to sharing knowledge, expertise, and talents to enrich our community and to foster equity and inclusion for all socioeconomic groups. They make a difference in the lives of others, inspiring positive action and change. All of the women nominated have been active in creating change for our community through their personal and professional accomplishments and their time and dedication to their passions. I hope that you've all read the bios of the women that are in your program. And please help me give a round of applause and congratulations to all of tonight's nominees. Now I would like to turn the microphone over to Katherine Jones, Chair of the Women on the Move Steering Committee. Thank you. Honoring women in our community who are dedicated to social and racial justice and the empowerment of women is an honor. The Women on the Move Steering Committee has gone through a challenging process of planning the event and selecting the honorees. I'd like to recognize the members of the committee who gave generously of their time and their talents to the planning of this event. Kay Bonkula, Marie Brown-Wagner, Elizabeth Insinius, Pat Jarabek, and Yashoda Naidu. I'd also like to give a very special acknowledgement to our 20 Women on the Move nominees. I had the privilege of reading 
the nominations submitted by members of the community about these women. Each woman nominated has a powerful impact on our community through their exceptional work, their leadership, and their commitment. Thank you all for your efforts. And now we are pleased tonight to have as our MC the co-host of the Morning Mayhem Show on 93.3 FM, Kiki Garcia. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for being with us tonight. I am privileged to join the YWCA in honoring these women and to hear about their extraordinary accomplishments that make a difference in our community. It is now my pleasure to introduce our keynote speaker, Congresswoman Michelle Lujan Grisham. Congresswoman Lujan Grisham has shown her commitment to change and speaking up for the most vulnerable. We are proud to have someone of her reputation and experience representing New Mexico's first congressional district, fighting for and serving our community. Good evening, everyone. How are you? Uh, I am really honored to be here for three reasons. One, uh, sharing the stage, which I'm a little intimidated by, with such incredible women of distinction, uh, is a great honor. And I'm proud to be included in that honor, particularly since these are women that I, I know and get to work with and have seen uh, them blossom in their careers and make a difference in the quality of lives of so many New Mexicans. And the second is, is to get an opportunity to talk about sort of women in general and women in policy-making positions and to talk about the profound productive and positive impact that's, at, that's having not only here in our community, I mean, we're all recognizing that right in this moment, but how that's shaping uh, in the country opportunities for families. And the third thing is to recognize and highlight organizations like YWCA who have been advocating and fighting really important battles. And I came here tonight uh, at a discussion group with a panel talking about voting rights. And we're talking about voting rights at UNM on the 50th anniversary of the Voter Rights Act and on the 50th anniversary of, of uh, uh, Bloody Sunday in Selma because it's a recognition that those battles were so very important and fighting against discrimination is, is a fight and a battle we still have today and each one of us has a responsibility to continue to do something about it and to make sure that we are participating and supporting, and you are by your presence tonight, organizations that haven't forgotten that the moment we stop fighting to address those issues is the moment that we get much further behind and we walk away from all of those foot soldiers and advocates who put their own lives at risk and those of their families to make sure that this country did everything in its power to end discrimination. Now, I'm sure many of you are aware, and I use it all the time, so probably you've heard me say it, and I apologize, but it's also something I think bears repeating, which is all of the national studies about making sure that we really do deal with the gender gap, not just in, in pay equity, but, but also in, in leadership activities. 
So what we know by a Harvard study and related studies that there is a tipping point and that organizations and companies that have three or more women on a board or have three or more women in the highest management or leadership positions are more successful. And how do they determine that success? They look at whether or not they're meeting or exceeding their financial goals. They look at whether or not they are meeting or exceeding their philanthropic goals, meeting and or exceeding their connections with the communities that they represent. And they never just meet them, my friends. They not only exceed them for those companies, they exceed them in comparison to all other companies. Now imagine the power in local leadership, local business, local government, state government, federal government, if we had a tipping point where you have three or more women in those leadership positions joined with our male colleagues in really making sure that that tipping point gets realized in improving the quality of the lives of our own families and the people that we care about in the communities that we live. I mean, it's powerful stuff. And I'm watching it occur in Congress, and I'm seeing it realized right here, and I get to participate in the recognition of those efforts in this event by incredible women who I agree with Anne that there are so many trailblazers that I, have, I get advantages that women before me didn't get, and I hope that I'll bring those advantages to women of all ages in the position that I hold in Congress. And in fact, it has already provided a really unique opportunity by virtue of my gender and focusing on some of those family issues. Now, I'm a caregiver, and I'm going to bet that most of you know that because I never miss an opportunity to remind people because I think it's important. I raised two wonderful daughters. I'm, I'm going to get to be a grandmother for the first time, and I'm going to have a granddaughter, and I'm very excited about that. But I live in a household that is three generations, and we live together because if we don't live together, my mother cannot get the support and care that she needs, unequivocally. Now, it's a burden and a joy that I have the luxury to fulfill. Not everybody has that luxury. I'm very proud of my youngest daughter. She doesn't get that luxury. It's a burden. I cannot be in this job and I cannot take care of my mother without making sure that my daughter is there every day to make sure that she gets what she needs. Now, I'm lucky because my daughter wants to do that. And make no mistake, I sweeten it up a little. No rent, little money. Buy whatever you want. Yes, I'll get you a new cell phone. But... She doesn't have to do it, and it's hard work. And any of you who know my mother know I'm not exaggerating about that hard work. She will tell you that she doesn't want to live with me, and I don't want her to have to live with me either. But we love each other, and it's great that we can take care of each other, even though each of us wishes we had a little more independence in that design. But as a caregiver, I, am, I was an advocate for caregivers, but as a caregiver today, I am acutely aware of the serious issues facing this country for caregivers. I'm gonna give you some stark information. There are 49 million familial caregivers in this country, and the vast majority of them are women of color. 
And those women of color are doing that for their families. And when they do so, what do you think happens to their career opportunities? They're minimized. Do they make as much as their counterparts, including women who aren't caregivers? They do not. Are they spending their own money to fill the gaps? They are. Minimally $6,000 a year. They make almost $20,000 less annually because they can't be as productive. They can't run their businesses. They can't agree to that promotion. They can't get additional training. They just aren't in a position to do that. And what do we know when you don't make enough? Well, then your long-term economic security is minimized. And what is the other fact that we know about caregiving? Caregivers give out first, and women live longer than men. I don't want to go into that right now, but women are living longer than men, which means we don't have the resources that we need because we were taking care of our spouses and their parents and our own parents and our adult disabled children. And what's left for those women is nearly nothing. And from a social issue, what's left for the rest of us as a country is the debate about entitlements today. Easy. Can you imagine that? The debate about caregiving entitlement support, much bigger because it's much more expensive. Seventy-five dollars to $100,000, and that's the low end if you were really going to do it right for familial caregivers. So I've created a caregiver caucus. And it's bicameral, and it's bipartisan, and we're going to work, and we're going to figure out ideas and solutions, because that's the only way you're going to get an institution like Congress to take on the tough issues. And of course, it's for women, all right, that are going to be doing that work. Um, and typically, when you introduce legislative ideas or concepts or priorities, you don't just create another caucus. We do a lot of caucuses, so that does happen. But typically, you do that to encourage greater advocates as you're moving along. Here, we want to start there. This is a clear, bicameral priority for women in Congress that will not only create huge economic advantages for the country, but will do the right thing for families. And I've already got a bill that I believe that this caregiver caucus will help me to move forward. And that bill is called Care Corps. I'm going to be shameless. You didn't think that I was going to actually pitch my own stuff. I know. <laughs> shocking. Shocking. But I think it gets back to, to the leadership issues that you're recognizing these women for and that this organization stands for. As if you want to talk about domestic violence, talk about family caregiving or abuse and neglect. So Care Corps would replicate the Peace Corps in many ways. Only it would be a national service program in this country. And it would recruit young people. And let's get a New Yorker to come to Zuni Pueblo and live there and to learn about that culture and to provide assistance to a caregiver like me. Because I don't always know how I'm gonna get my mom in fact, tomorrow, I just remembered to her orthopedic appointment. I have no idea how I'm going to do that. And if I'm in Washington, it's even harder because my daughter also works. Did I mention that? Or about those caregivers who don't even have vehicles or don't have the monetary support to provide the gas or they're at work and they can't get lunch or dinner on the table or their loved one falls and the only option is, is an ambulance and they're not there. 
you having just the presence of someone who doesn't have to be the direct caregiver or the healthcare professional is amazing. And amazing, imagine the young person that gets to develop a relationship with a code talker or with a retired nuclear engineer or physicist who participated in New Mexico at the ground level for some of that research in the 40s and 50s. And those are incredible opportunities. And what will we do for these young people? Well, we're going to give them college credit for the numbers, for the, the, the service that they provide. So they get a stipend, like the Peace Corps. They get training, like the Peace Corps. They get to participate in a national service program. They get to live in a different community and culture. And we bridge the intergenerational gap. It is part of the great debate about how we move on family values and which issues are more important. And the best news is it's a very inexpensive way to invest in familial caregiving because if we can keep those family caregivers going, we will save 400, that's today's dollars, $400 billion worth of care a year. And if caregivers like me, that's right, give up, we all have to pay. So I think that is a good illustration, I hope, that this leadership and women bringing their life experiences to work and adding them to the life experiences of our male colleagues create the balanced connection that I think will create the opportunities to fill the voids in our communities. And so I'm so proud of every recipient and awardee and nominee today. We have such a long way to go in empowering women and empowering uh, girls and to make sure that we're doing it all in a, in a way that I hope I demonstrated really has meaning in the private and public sector. But has everyone seen Run Like a Girl, that commercial? This commercial has um, adults, men and women, act out what it means to run like a girl. And they all do things that uh, are inappropriate. Uh, they can't run very well. They're clumsy. They squeal. They hide. They're bashful. Um, all those kinds of things that, that, if you think about it, do get associated with you throw like a girl, you run like a girl. And I have to tell you, I'm guilty of that. I play on a bipartisan women's softball team, and I'm not very good, and I always say, I throw like a girl. I'm never going to say that again. Because at the back end of that commercial, they have girls. And they ask them, what does it mean to you to run like a girl or to throw like a girl? And you see these incredibly athletically inclined girls show you what it means to compete, be tough, and be confident. And the last young girl, when they say, what does it mean to you to run like a girl? She says, to run as hard and as fast as I can. It is a great message. So that's the ending message. I bet the YWCA would say to you, by golly, let's all run like girls tonight and every night. Thank you very much for having me. I admire Congresswoman Lujan Grisham's support for family caregiving and all the potential benefits that families and society will gain from it. 
I agree, Rob, because if we put families first and empower them, our businesses will improve, our economy will improve, and our legislation will improve as well. Now our next song is an incredible rendition by Tracy Chapman of the tune Stand By Me. YWCA selects two extraordinary women to honor with their La Estrella and the Woman to be Reckoned with awards. Here is MC Kiki Garcia presenting this year's awards. Each presentation is followed by a brief speech from the recipients. Let's take a listen. Let's start tonight with the La Estrella Award. It's presented to a woman who has achieved greatness in her field, often overcoming barriers to be a first. This evening, we present this award to Anne Haynes Yatsovich. Ms. Haynes is the President, Chief Executive Officer, and Principal Founder of Acción New Mexico. She is recognized for the impact she has had on women being economically powered through microfinance and economic development. Ms. Haynes is presented with a star named for her. Whatever recognition um, you're bestowing on me tonight is really recognition of the women who have come before me and the women who will come after me and this incredible group of people who are part of the Axion community as well as my really beloved family and friends. And so for all of you and for people who are striving for, to affect change, I just want to salute each of you and thank you for this honor. Um, I'll share a little bit about my story because I've been asked to talk a little bit about what brought me to this moment in time. And I want to say that the power of storytelling is profound in bringing about social and economic change. And I would say that that has really influenced my life over these years. And one reason why I have gravitated towards the work at Acción is because I think within every individual there is just tremendous beauty and capacity to contribute in such meaningful ways. And there's greatness within everybody, whether a girl or a boy, regardless of one's circumstances, that there are gifts everybody has. And each other's differences need to be celebrated and championed and opportunities created so that together, collectively, we can make the broadest-based impact. I will say that probably another influence in my life clearly was my mother, who found herself fairly young with three young children, having actually been abandoned by her husband. And she was a school teacher at the time and had no anticipation that my father was going to leave the family, and she found herself without the income to support herself and three young children. So she moved us into public housing in New York City. And I didn't realize, of course at the time, because I was very young, how profoundly that would affect my sense of social justice, my sense of the relationship 
between education and economic opportunity and the relationship between economic opportunity and hope. And over these years, many years later, I recognize that when people are empowered economically, it opens up all kinds of opportunities for people who are underserved, for girls, for women, for anybody who has a dream, but one of the biggest barriers to living that dream is when somebody has to worry about whether they can have food on the table, shelter, and whether there's going to be enough money in the next month or two, let alone the next day, to support a family. And it's one of the reasons I believe so very deeply in the work that entrepreneurs are responsible for in our community. I'm probably moving up to my five-minute limit, so <laughs> I will stop there. But I do want to say that it is just such an honor to receive this, and really on behalf of um, the girls and women who have come before me, the girls and women after, this incredible community that Axion is a part of, um, the men and women who believe in each other, believe in the dreams of entrepreneurs like Goldie Garcia over here, and are part of a broader community where social capital is one of the most important fabrics for lifting people to greater hopes and dreams that can be realized. I thank you all. Should we give away more awards? All right. This is the Woman to be Reckoned With Award. It's presented to a woman in the community who has made significant contributions to social and racial justice and the empowerment of women. Someone who has challenged the status quo and moved us beyond what we saw possible. Tonight, we present the Woman to be Reckoned With Award to Dr. Ann Simpson. Dr. Simpson wears multiple hats at UNM Health Sciences Center. She is an advocate for ethics and social and uh, health. She is recognized for her work to train other medical professionals and demand from the ethical practice and a deeper understanding of the impact of social injustice on patients, those in her care, and the community at large. Please welcome Dr. Ann Simpson. Thank you all so very much. Thank you. Um, and I appreciate all of your coming out. I appreciate the award, but I will tell you, getting this award, um, I was really honored, really surprised. And I really haven't had that much time to focus on it because I've been real busy. So. Today and yesterday, I started thinking about it, and I was just, it was disconcerting to be honored in such a way. And I really couldn't figure out why I felt that way. And so it occurred to me that the reason I'm feeling this way is because literally, I'm a thief. I've stolen all that I am throughout my life. 
and I think about, I think the first person I stole from was my paternal grandmother, who was the midwife who delivered me into the world. A woman full of compassion. I hope that I stole from her. My parents, my mother, who said, no matter what, you can always make a way out of no way. I stole that from her. I stole from my father his incredible ability to toil. So it really, sometimes I resent him for the fact that I can't stop working because he never stopped working. So that was very difficult. Um, it is difficult for me to not work. I stole from my first teacher, Miss Josie, a woman who taught us in Jim Crow School in Alabama, one-room schoolhouse without the benefit of books or other tools. I stole from her. I stole this desire to learn and to want to see other people learn also from other members of the, my community. Been born into slavery and would say, get your lessons. They wouldn't allow us to learn. From them, I knew that I needed to help others to do work. I also stole from my teachers, my professors, Professor Charles Pine, long years ago in college, who spent hour after hour working with any student to learn physics. Professor Anderson, who taught me the respect for all of humankind and the environment. I stole from my beloved Brian, who would have me when I had something challenging, as Ms. Wilhelm Grusham talked about, to really confront long-term care facilities and the deplorable ways in which they treat the residents who live there. I, he would make me stand in front of the mirror and say, this is a problem, and he would make me practice so that I could do that. I stole from him. I steal from my family. I stole from my daughters, my granddaughter, my eight-year-old granddaughter who said to her mom, she asked her mother, my daughter, a question. She said, Mom, and she's eight years old, and she says, do I have to go to graduate school in order to be a full-time adult? My daughter said without a beat, yes, you do. So it really helps me to also further want to make sure that I am helping others to move forward. I stole from my dear friend, Hannah Best, who is here tonight, a woman who's been very active in the civil rights movement and has won this award in the past. So I am a thief. I stole from Langston Hughes when he talks about mother to son, his poem, um, Life for Me Ain't Been No Crystal Stair. So you can't stop. You can't sit down, Sajaline, one of the students I mentor. And I stole from many others. But I'm going to finish this by something I stole from Alice Walker, women. They were women then, 
my mama's generation. Husky of voice, stout of step, with fists as well as hands, how they battered down doors and ironed starched white shirts, how they had armies, head rag generals, across mined fields, booby trap ditches, to find books and desks, a place for us, how they knew what we must know without knowing a page of it themselves. That's who this award is for, and thank you so much. It means a lot to me that Anne Haynes Yatsovich honored the women that came before her who uplift our hopes and dreams as women. And Dr. Ann Simpson gave genuine emotion to the hard-fought road for equality that women of all backgrounds face. And back to the music, this is a song called Mujer. It's by Mexican singer-songwriter Amparo Ochoa. Coming up next, the YWCA honors women who have been nominated for their accomplishments and their impact on our community. The YWCA Women on the Move Award is given to those who have contributed to racial and social justice and the empowerment of women. Here is MC Kiki Garcia with this year's inductions. The Women on the Move Awards inducts each year women who have contributed to racial and social justice and the empowerment of women. The selection of the awardees is based on an objective analysis by reviewers. Nominations are made by people in the community who have seen the women's passion, professional accomplishments, and personal commitment to being an ally of the YWCA mission. Each nomination was evaluated by a committee of reviewers. Nominations were scored on the following criteria life experiences of major impact, priorities and areas of interest, commitment and passion, personal and professional accomplishments, and their effect on others through inspiration, advocacy, training, and more. Scores were averaged and the top nominees were selected to become Women on the Move inductees which to date has honored more than 1,000 women for their personal and professional accomplishments and impact on the community. Before we announce the inductees, let's give a round of applause to all of the nominees this evening. And now it is time to announce the 2015 Women on the Move inductees. On the nomination form, we ask the nominator to tell us about the nominee's effect on others through inspiration, advocacy, training, and more. We would like to announce the awardees with the answer to this question. Bahati Ansari, nominated by Brandy Mitchell. I cannot speak for others when it comes to the effect she has had on them. I can only speak on the effect I know she had on me. 
Dr. Bahati is the reason I am involved in my community. When I was a youth, she saw something in me and invited me to OYE, promising to be my adult sponsor. That is where it all began for me. I learned about social justice and equality. Dr. Bahati was there to answer my questions I had after the conference. She became a strong inspiration to me because she is also a woman of color who is proud of her past lives in the moment and knows how to prepare for the future. A training she did was in Volcano Vista BSU where she taught us the importance in our name which has stuck with me because now I can say my name with confidence 100% of the time. Dr. Bahati has affected me personally in such a huge positive way. For that, I am forever grateful. Next is Jewel Hall, nominated by Joby Wallace. Many of the multiple organizations that Ms. Hall has begun are still in existence and working with young people of color and families today. They are vibrant in affecting those who experience inequality, inequity, and racism. Her students, to numerous to count, have been affected and thrive because of her commitment to education and volunteering outside of the classroom to tutor and mentor. She also can look to the annual Keep the Dream Alive, which is an event of the MLK Council to recognize unsung volunteers. Jewel Hall, come on up. Anna Nelson, nominated by Adrian Carver. Anna plays many roles in the community. One of the most important ones is that of a mother figure. Her maternal instincts of protection and advocacy shine through as an inspiration for the youth, families, and community members with whom she works. Anna's forward thinking has brought racial justice to the forefront as a core priority at the forum has framed positive youth engagement as a tool for social justice. Only time will measure the ripples of her innovative and... I don't have the rest. Well, she's wonderful. Just come on up here. <laughs> Monica Stevens Cordova, nominated by Anna Nelson. Ms. Cordova has been a champion for youth inclusion and empowerment since 2005, focusing on the promotion of young women and men as members of mayoral youth councils, advisors to nonprofit boards of directors, and most recently, lowering the voting age for school board elections so youth may have stronger impact on issues directly affecting their lives. She has trained more than 900 adults on positive youth development through the lens of cultural capital, community cultural wealth, and racial justice. Finally, she is an inspiration to so many, modeling authentic youth engagement and anti-oppression consistently, personally, and professionally. Monica? <laughs> Next, we have Sina Sol Bo nominated by Stevie Springer. 
Sina's work with specific groups of women using musical mythologies for therapy and education is widespread, and she has positively touched the lives of thousands of women and children worldwide. As an ambassador in New Zealand with Rulin Tangent's Contemporary Native American Creations Dance Company C, Dancing Earth of Santa Fe, she lectured 250 women at the Papa Tegranga Museum. The first number is zero. This is the original womb. And her work in Rhode Island offering theater, music, and dance workshops in through the Women's Prison Project positively changed those women forever. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is the 2015 Women on the Move inductees. It's inspiring to hear how these women impact our community in multiple ways and create a ripple effect. And with over 1,000 women inducted, that leaves a stunning legacy. Now here's a song by the legendary Nina Simone. It's called Feeling Good. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me, yeah. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. We have reached the end of tonight's program. Thank you all for joining us this evening as we got to know more about the amazing women who are working to make our communities stronger. We would like to thank the YWCA for hosting this event and all the speakers for sharing their stories. Huge thanks to Chantel Trujillo and Kamaria Umi for recording this event. And huge thanks to you, Rob Nakai, for editing tonight's show. Also, shout out to our rad engineer tonight, Kamaria Umi. Production assistance came from George Luna Pena, Melissa Harris, and Roberta Rael. And last, but certainly not least, much appreciation to all of our youth media makers here at Generation Justice. We couldn't do what we do without you. Stay connected with us. Check out our website, generationjustice.org, where you can listen to all of our past radio programs, see music playlists, read our blogs, watch videos, and much, much more. Also, our podcasts are available on iTunes, so be sure to subscribe. We're also active on social media, so please like us on Facebook and share. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, with additional funding from the McCune Foundation, Con Alma Health Foundation, and of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking Donate. I'm Christina Rodriguez. And I'm Rob Nakai. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word, so stay tuned. See you next Sunday at 7 o'clock. To end the show, this next song is called Sisters Are Doing It For Themselves by Aretha Franklin and Annie Lennox. Peace out.